Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsbrew, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property, seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor Podcast. This is Rachel, super excited to be here. So today we are talking about the new Airbnb rules that came down the pike. And I know there was an uproar. And so for me, the good news is that because of the uproar, because of the comments in the Airbnb community. So if you're not part of the general Airbnb forums, which is, I believe uh, it's a part of the help center. If you look at the help center, Airbnb has forums where you can actually comment and let them know how you're feeling about them and how you're feeling about certain things. So that's definitely the good news. So before I jump right in, because I look, I am totally looking forward to your comments, looking forward to your questions, because I want this to be as interactive as possible. Before I jump right in, I want to know, well, I want you to know that this is not a conversation where we are going to villainize guests or anything like that. This is definitely a conversation where we want to address um, the fact that we are hosts and we're working our best to be professional hosts. We're not saying that hosts do not make mistakes. Uh, hosts are never fallible or anything like that. You know, there are uh, service issues. And um, if you are an honest and a professional host, you do your the very best that you can to provide a stay that you would want, you know, to partake in yourself, right? Do unto others. Uh, this is not to say that, you know, the, the guests are always wrong or the hosts are always wrong or anything like that. We, we do want to rule out bad actors. We do want those who are um, scammers, unfortunately, to be, you know, eliminated from the industry because it makes us all look bad, right? So this is not, none, nothing in my conversation, I wanna make clear, nothing in my conversation is to um, pacify scammers or anything like that, right? Because we do know that there are some scammers that, and, and it needs to be regulated so that the scammers do not continue to thrive and kind of ruin it for the rest of us who are looking to be honest hosts to you know, curate an amazing and a wonderful stay for our guests. So I wanted to preface it by that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just say it in the chat. I'll go ahead and try to rephrase. But there are some rules that came down that said uh, along the lines of, you know, if the, the house does not meet the requirements,
requirements that Airbnb is setting forth, then uh, not only do the guests receive a refund, but they're initially said that there's going to be a rebooking fee uh, for that guest to be placed at another a unit at another property, okay? And the guest has within 72 hours to report issues with the property, 72 hours, including 72 hours after they have stayed. And so that has caused a lot of uproar, that has caused a lot of issues. And so to me, the good news is that Airbnb listened to the uproar last week. And let me see if I can quote exactly the language that they went ahead and updated that rule to. So after uh, they received a ton of feedback from all of us hosts about the rebooking fee, because the clarification wasn't there, there was a refund and also a rebooking fee. They went ahead and removed the language. It says where Airbnb incurs costs in assisting a guest with finding or booking a comparable or better accommodation, the host will be responsible for, and Airbnb will have the right to require the host to pay or otherwise reimburse the costs in addition to the amount of any refund. So the rebooking fee and the amount of the refund. And so that rebooking fee, uh, thankfully, they went ahead and retracted that a little bit later after the host came into the community, the Airbnb forum community, and gave an uproar. And so when you see hosts uh, that involved in the uh, business, it's, it's such an amazing thing, you know, coming together and recognizing that we're not looking for ways to, um, I, I guess I could say, jip our guests. We're not looking for ways to um, reduce the experience of our guests or, or give them a hard time or give them a negative experience, right? The hosts that came together are hosts who are actually wanting to provide great furnished accommodations. And if there are rules and regulations that, you know, are unfair, so to speak, such as the rebooking fee, then definitely that is something that needs to be addressed. Because I will tell you, I had an experience with one of my uh, clients who's um, who had a guest who said that they were not able to access the unit. So access is one thing, right? Inability to access the unit is, um, is something that uh, Airbnb is very concerned with. Uh, finding pests at the unit, um, uh, amenities that are not operational. So if the hot tub is broken or if the pool is broken. So these are things that uh, they listed as issues that may warrant some type of a refund. And so unfortunately, the, the guest was not able to access the unit or so they reported. Turns out they were using the wrong access code. The code was emailed and texted to them. And for some reason, they were using an alternative access code. I do not know all the information around that. But that keyless entry, they put in the wrong code. They, they called Airbnb. They were not able to access uh, the unit. There was some back and forth, and they went ahead and received uh, a refund, and uh, they were looking to get rebooked elsewhere, and Airbnb was working on that. And so when the owner uh, looked into reaching out to the guest multiple times, the guest was not responsive, and so they figured that the guest went ahead and moved on to this uh, uh, better or alternative accommodations. Well, guess what? When the cleaning crew came in to turn over the property to get it set up for the next guest, 
that guest ended up staying at that property and they were there all along. And so definitely that put, put a little bit of a strain uh, with my client who, who had that guest who, you know, the guest was supposed to have moved on, but they ended up staying. They did find the access code after all. And so these are the things that a lot of us hosts are concerned about. Are there going to be, you know, behaviors that, you know, do not necessarily warrant um, this type of, I guess, retribution a little bit, right? And again, being not only a host for Airbnb, but also an individual that uh, utilizes Airbnb, I do have certain standards. So I can appreciate that Airbnb wants the properties to be in great shape. I can appreciate that they want the amenities to be in great shape. So I am here for it. One thing that I will be talking to our students about is definitely um, listing, you know, capturing that, first of all, capturing that information. What is your game plan? What is your action plan? to capture the information of your guests right now so that you can retarget them so that you can get them to book with you directly. Do you have a process in place? Do you have a goal for Q3 uh, to have your direct booking site you know, up and running? Are you collecting emails? You know, And so I don't know if you recall, we had the opportunity to in interview um, the author of the book, Direct Playbook, Mark Simpson, he's a direct booking expert. Uh, take a look at his book, Direct Playbook. He has so many actionable tips and tricks in there uh, to get you going. But I see <laughs> what I foresee, if I can look at Crystal Ball, I foresee Google Vacations uh, really, really um, taking the market by storm. And so, I don't know, change my mind. I think Google Vacations will take this market by storm. Um, I've spoken with a lot of experts in this space. A couple of things have come up. The um, short-term rental uh, community is a little bit um, fed up with not really having control over their business. You know, for what it's worth, Airbnb is definitely what I call the Google of the short-term rental industry. Well, Google is, is about to be the Google of the short-term rental industry maybe, right? So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know, we, we have that opportunity to, to compete at that level. But if you have not placed your property on Google vacations, that's definitely uh, something that needs to be on the roadmap for your business within this quarter. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, look at placing your property on Google vacations, because what you're doing is you're de-risking your business, right? If you're listed just on Airbnb, or if you're listed just on Vervo, you know, both of those platforms, if they determine, you know, they're going to pause your listing for whatever reason, I have seen it again and again, or if they determine um, that, you know, you uh, violated some type of rule, um, if unfortunately a guest complains that an amenity that should have been working is broken. And so here's the deal. We don't go into the business to provide broken amenities, right? But if I were to go to a hotel, for instance, and the pool isn't working because you know, they needed to provide an extra cleaning or uh, they needed to add specific chemicals to it that day and it's closed for that day or it's closed for a few days. Well, that is sometimes in their control, but it's sometimes out of their control. And think of it this way, do I really get a 
a refund for my stay because the pool wasn't working? Well, not necessarily, right? So is it 100% fair for you know the guests to get a refund on their stay because the pool wasn't working? I don't know. You answer that question. So just some food for thought here. I'm not going to take one side versus another. Y'all know I am a host myself, but I do believe in, you know, providing a phenomenal stay for guests, but um, yeah, things can happen. And so what do you guys think about it so far? What do you guys think about the rule uh, that the guests have 72 hours to essentially file a complaint? Not 24 hours like before, but actually 72 hours to file a complaint. That is something that's very concerning, right? Because um, say they leave the property and I have a client where the guest has left the property and said that the pool wasn't working. Um, when, you know, the host actually, the pool was operational. And so the guests, you know, had to provide photographs and evidence and, and things like that. And so that's, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, the, my client ended up refunding $50 because there was one day where the pool team came out and had to add chemicals and, you know, that was documented. So they figured that out. That's what was going on. So it was an operational for um, one of the, I think it was uh, four days that the guest was there, which yeah, it did put a damper on the trip. So these are the things that we need to be thinking about. Again, this is not again to villainize guests or to villainize, um, you know, hosts, but at the same time, how do we want to operate our business? How do we want to take control of our business? So one suggestion that I have for you, if you're not collecting emails from your guests, you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. That is a low hanging fruit. Uh, and you want their personal emails when they're there. There are ways and there are processes you can put in place to collect those emails because you can turn around and, you know, if they're visiting for a birthday and you have that document, you know why they're visiting. So every birthday, guess what? You can actually email them. Hey, here's a, a $50 gift card. Come back and see us for your birthday. A $100 gift card. Come back and see us for your birthday. And it, it does a couple of things. It reminds them that, you know, of your, your location. It puts you top of mind. It um, lets them uh, identify that you remember their birthday, right? It's like a birthday gift. And um, it also, you know, it, it allows you to, to market directly to that guest. And if they book with you directly, then you can kind of take control of that listing. Uh, you pay the fees that you have set for that, not necessarily the marketing fees that um, Airbnb has, you know, the guests paying, right? Because those fees are pretty steep. So they get a, a good deal, you get a good deal. So it's a win-win situation. So Jay says, I appreciate this as a consumer. Yes, I do too. And I can also appreciate a process that protects the consumer and the owner. Absolutely. So I agree with you. And that's where I started, Jay. I started with, you know, as a consumer, I don't want uh, us to think that, you know, we are um, covering for the bad actors in the industry. The bad actors in the industry definitely has to go. But as uh, business owners ourselves, we have to look at it from a, an objective perspective, right? So I'm with you 100%. Andrea, hey girl, hey. <laughs> she said, I had a guest this week that sent photos of toilets that were not from my home. <gasps> what? And Airbnb required a full refund, even though they stayed two of the five nights. 
So I'm very weary of this considering how they already act. Okay, so this part right here, y'all, for those sitting in the back, I'm going to need you to come back to me if you're multitasking. Did you see this? <laughs> Are you seeing this? This right here, I didn't even want to provide actual examples of some of my biggest fears, but Andrea, I know you, Andrea is a phenomenal real estate investor with multiple, multiple properties, guys, insane amount of properties. And for this to happen to someone who is so seasoned, you know, in real estate investing is, is just absolutely, oh my goodness. Let me read this again. Andrea says, I had a guest this week that sent photos of toilets that were not from my home and Airbnb required a full refund, even though they stayed two of the five nights. Yeah. And so this right here is one of my biggest concerns because we as hosts, this is our business. This is what we're doing on a full-time basis, but I feel as though sometimes guests, you know, you get a, a wide variety of guests that some are just honest people who are there trying to visit grandma and trying to reconnect with their families, reconnect with nature and just have a wonderful time at your unit. But others can be a little bit sketchy, right? And so this is as sketchy as it will get. I mean, again, I mentioned an example of a guest that stayed <laughs> on site, said they couldn't, you know, log in. They couldn't log in, guys, log in, seriously. They could not access the unit, okay? But somehow they got in. The next day, when the cleaners came, because they, you know, we're assuming the guest is gone. You know, when the client came to me with this issue, you know, we went back and forth with Airbnb. We said, okay, fine. The guest is gone. Let's go ahead and, you know, open up the calendar. Uh, another guest will book because she's in a hot market. Cleaners get there. The guest was there. <laughs> the guest was there. Refund is on the way. All of the things, the guest was still there. And these are the things, for those of you who are not Airbnb hosts and who are just consumers, these are the things we kind of have to contend with. Just really strained phenomenons like that. So the guest still being there. And then I guess sending photos of toilets that were not of the home that they were staying at, not of Andrea's home. So mind equals blown. This is exactly uh, one of the things that I was concerned about. And there it is right there, right before my eyes. Quay says, I have an STR on Airbnb. How would I have been informed of these changes? Thanks. Oh, that's a great question. So how did we get informed of these changes? <laughs> so I did receive some emails, uh, Quay. Quay, I do know that you are working with a, um, a co-host. So perhaps the emails um, went to the co-host. I wonder if anyone has any um, tips or trips of how they got informed outside of just receiving an email or an update of the policy, that would be really, really good uh, to share that in the comments. But also I actually set alerts. So if Airbnb is doing something new, I do have an alert set, Quay, that uh, sends me a message, you know, and the alert, I think it came from Google that I set it where, you know, anything Airbnb, I'll get an alert. Um, that something is happening or something is new, but let me, let me try to track it down. I wish I remembered off the top of my head where I got that email, but it's been such a buzz 
<laughs> that I that I often wonder. And so Vanessa asked, how are you collecting guest email addresses? Yes. So um, Vanessa, there are multiple ways to collect email addresses. Uh, personally, I do have a team that helps me with that. But if I were starting off today, all I would do is actually ask uh, via maybe a jot form or a Google form for the email address. So once the guest books the listing, um, I would go ahead and let them know, hey, thank you so much for booking, you know, have my little script, please uh, click on this link and it would be a Google form. Click on this link um, to so that we can uh, collect uh, a few bits of information, make sure you get all of the check-in information, uh, the, the code uh, for access to the property, as well as the code for uh, the Wi-Fi. And so um, I have seen that work very well for those who do not necessarily have a team. If you can provide that Google, um, Google uh, Forms link, okay, and they, they will fill it out because they want access to the property. They want the Wi-Fi passcode and you keep it kind of simple, their name, their you know, email address, the purpose of their visit. We ask a couple um, more questions, uh, birth date, because I do have a team again that uh, asks these questions, birth dates to provide you know, coupons and discounts and things like that. And um, as far as the purpose of their visits, we do collect uh, information from the traveling professionals about their uh, recruiters and so on and so forth, because we then we market to uh, recruiters directly, but that's a whole different conversation. But that's one way to collect uh, emails. There are other ways to do it in an automated format. So if you are utilizing a business version of your internet um, service, you can actually um, have a landing page built so that when the individual logs into your Wi-Fi, they would have to put in their email address in order to access the internet. And I think that's, that's a really highly effective way as well, because if you have a larger home, multi-generational, multi-families, you um, have them enter their email address that way then you're collecting the email address of every single individual um, who's there, you know? So not just the individual who's booking like the Google Sheets or the Google Forms way, right? You're actually collecting the email addresses of anyone who's utilizing that internet. So all the adults, you know, 18 and older, I think you have to put in some type of um, um, opt-in, uh, in there as well to be legal and all of that. So like a landing page that just pops up when they go to access the internet and then they have to put, it, put in their email address similar to when you're going to the Hilton or the Marriott or one of those hotels. So that's another way. There's another way as well that I've seen others utilize. Um, StayFi, I think it's the tool. So StayFi is one way as well. And then there are digital guidebooks. Uh, that would prompt for the um, email address. So StayFi, it is a an internet, I want to call it a router that you add to your internet and you stick it on the back of your, your router, I believe. And it does um, a similar uh, workflow with that landing page where it'll pop up and then the individual will need to go ahead and enter their email address um, and to access the internet. 
And if anyone here is a stay five person, I apologize in advance, but what I've heard <laughs> and the reason I have not uh, transitioned to a system like that is that it does uh, reduce your um, internet speed. And so I'm not <laughs> going to be um, a big fan of that because a lot of my guests, they're looking for a fast Wi-Fi. So I cannot afford to reduce my internet speed. <laughs> at all. So definitely, hopefully they um, optimize that so that the internet speed situation is resolved. Okay. Awesome. So I hope that helps. Oh my gosh. I just did like a whole masterclass on, on internet speed and, and whatnot. Bottom line is definitely, definitely learn and figure out as soon as possible, how to start collecting the information from your guests, incentivize them, right? Incentivize them to leave their email addresses, to give you their email addresses, whether it's um, holding out on the codes before they get it or a QR code where they get a gift or a discount um, to get those email addresses so that you can start getting those direct bookings. Uh, number two, if you make a fuss, <laughs> if we all come together and say, hey, you know, Airbnb, this is not really, you know, the most fair rule. We're worried that, you know, bad actors who are actually guests, you know, there are bad actor hosts. We want to eliminate those. Those aren't the ones we're trying to defend, but bad actor guests may take advantage of this situation and, and do something like Andrea just said, just send rando pictures of other people's toilets, right? So the point of this is definitely speak up. It seems like they're listening. If there's something, you know, in, in some, you know, in the rules that, uh, that come out, come down the pipe that you feel as though is just outrageous, definitely go into the community forums, their free forums and speak up. Uh, that makes a difference. Obviously, as you can see, they removed the verbiage. And um, so before I wrap up, okay, so here we go. Debbie says, I've collected all my guest emails, but I'm having a hard time writing that first email. Any examples out there for guest email templates? Ooh, that's a great question. Hmm. I don't have any templates per se, uh, Debbie. It's really, we've pretty much customized it to our guests. So for the most part, we target them on special holidays. We target them on birthdays. We target them based on um, anything that they may report uh, is a special reason for their visit. We target them based on um, events, so to speak. You know, so if of course we um, we identify you know the reasons for their if they're here for the jazz festival, for instance, and if, if we know there's another festival coming up. We may target them along the lines of, um, oh, we know you enjoy the jazz festival, but we have a barbecue festival coming up, uh, something along those lines. So if you have any event coming up, uh, that might be low, low hanging fruit to definitely target them and leverage that event. I would perhaps start there, but definitely check with, I would tell you, check with, um, let me, let me reach out to Tracy, Tracy Northcott. She's like the branding expert. I'm sure she has uh, some things that uh, probably, you know, forefront of her mind that she could think of that would be a good fit for uh, a, an initial email template. So love, love, love the question for sure. So guys, I cannot thank you enough for hanging out with me tonight. Guys, again, I hope you were all inspired. I hope you got some value for from today's All That Said, Godspeed, and have a great night. Bye for now. <music>